Thank you, thank you. Good morning. It's great to be together, isn't it? I want to ask the question today, as Murray has um, suggested, church, why bother? Why bother? Let me fine-tune that a little bit. This church, our church, why bother coming? Why bother coming? After, if there is, uh, something, after all, if there's something that COVID has taught us, it's this. We can tune in to the best of messages, the best of speakers anywhere, right around the world. And we can take that in, all those messages. And if praise and worship is our scene, we can go and we can tune into unlimited 24-7 praise and worship from the best of bands all around the world. And we can do that in the comfort of our own home, with a coffee in hand. We can sing to our heart's content. That'll be good when we can do that, won't it? And you can do it all unmasked. So what are we doing here? Don't go. Brian, don't walk out that door. That's all right. Hey, that's all right, people. Uh, We've got no one on the stream. There's no one going. Okay. The question for us is, the question that COVID shows it is, there's one thing that we can't replace. See, we can replace the message and we can replace the worship. They are what we might call the components of our service. They're the parts of our service. And we can pick those up in other places, but there's one thing that we cannot find except by being present with each other. And that's our sense of community together. That's rubbing shoulders with each other. That's genuinely caring for one another. And that's what a church community is all about. That's what COVID has taught us. Uh, We need community. We don't need a virtual community. They can get us through for a period of time, but we need a vibrant, active, loving community, a place where we know we're accepted and loved. It's been interesting that um, as uh, people have felt more comfortable, uh, we're getting more numbers coming back in, and the number of people, the length of time that we're staying around after church to talk has staggered me. We're not in a hurry to go. It's almost like we want to be together. These doors here aren't closing till about 12.30, and uh, we find it's time to go. COVID has shown us that we can't live without that connection. And as that great theologian, uh, Joni Mitchell, uh, sang in Big Yellow Taxi, uh, don't it always go to show that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? You know, and that doesn't just apply to paradise and parking lots. It obviously applies to churches and a sense of community together. So that's why we're going to engage in this series Finding community in COVID. Finding community in COVID. Now, some that have been at the church for a long period of time will say, well, hang on, Brian, you can't fool me. This is just 40 days of community. We did this about 15 years ago in our small groups. And yes, they would be right. This is 40 days of community. But we're living in a different world right now and we need to find what it means to live in community in a COVID world. Church life all around the world has changed. Churches in Australia have changed. We're hearing stories of churches that are having to shed staff, let staff go. People that are still not coming back into churches the way they had hoped. And so what we need to do is to find a part for us to play in that. 
So another thing that COVID has taught us is while the church is struggling to find out its fit and how we meet together in COVID, that all around us outside there's a community that is just aching to know Jesus. There was a survey done by uh, McCrindle Research and uh, Mark McCrindle writes this, we find that consistently in tough times, whether it be in Great Depressions, World Wars, or whether it just be uncertain times, like the global pandemic, we see Australians searching for greater meaning and purpose. The reality is that Australians are looking for more meaning than ever. They're searching for purpose. They're looking for certainty or direction in these uncertain times. They're spiritually open and they're looking for community more than ever before and for a local expression of that community. And for many Australians, that's met through the church or through the outreach or connections that the church offers. My prayer is that as we go through um, in our small groups and our messages together, that God will be working in you to reinforce for you the value of your place and the value of this community for you. But more than that, that God will be putting within you individually and with your, within your small group a passion to reach out and to engage those who still don't yet know Jesus to come and to experience church life together. This study is also a time for us to re-examine our purposes. Why do we exist as a church? What is it we're wanting to experience? What is God's plan for us? And we know that God has a plan for us because the church wasn't man's invention. It was the call of Jesus. Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, you're a rock and on you I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so, friends, this journey that we're on, they're not just uh, the purposes we're going to look at are not just uh, uh, dreamt up to form some, of, some strategic plan to make us more effective. They are coming out of the very mouth of Jesus. Our purposes, the purposes of this church are founded on the great commandment and the great commission as Jesus spoke those. So as we go through this 40 days of community, there is um, um, two essential books for us, obviously apart from your Bibles. There's two essential books. The first, um, we'll find them both over on the table ready to pick up, but the first is a study guide uh, to take along and to participate in our small group Bible studies. And the second is a 40 days devotional. So many of us said how much we appreciated doing the 40 days of prayer and being able to read that each day and to journey with others in the life of the church and to know we were reading the same thing and, uh, and, being, um, and, and being focused on the same thing where well, we can do the same with this 40 days of community. Now, first message is going to be in the series, going to be next week. So there's still time if you're wanting to get into a, a small group to do that. As Murray said, you can see Murray today or, or Marilyn who's downstairs with the kids or even myself. We can plug you in. If you're on stream, you can contact the church office and we'd love to uh, fix you up uh, there. If you're a Christian today, you're a peculiar person. That's what Peter wrote. You're a peculiar person, a chosen people a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. Why? That we might come together as to community. That we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once we were not a people, but now we are a people together. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. And here is a picture of Christian community being a called out people 
are people who are called out for a particular purpose. And we're going to go through and have a look at those uh, purposes for us together. As I said, they come out of the Great Commandment. They come out of the Great Commission. And these are the things you'll see that we have modelled ourselves on down through the years at Dural. And we need to come back and to keep on focusing on these distinct aspects of what are our purposes here. First one is that we're a worshipping community. We're a worshipping community. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the first and the greatest commandment. This is a picture of a community who has sold out to Jesus. A community who are in love with Jesus. Are reading his word, encouraging one another. Are dependent upon God. Recognising that as a, a worshipping community, we don't want to be engaged in anything unless we're listening to God, we're hearing his voice and we're moving forward in faith. Not cowering even in these COVID times in fear, but moving forward in faith. We need to be a community who experience God's presence. There's something um, very special about our worship together. Um, when we come together and we can sing and we can praise and we've got gifted musicians who again have led us today in being able to do that even though we can't open our mouths. Our hearts are joining in that. But the Apostle Paul reminds us that our worship is not just bringing our songs. Our worship of God is bringing who we are. And Paul wrote in Romans 12, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, that you offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So it's great for us to come and sing songs and praise God, but our worship is also coming and sitting together and praying, listening, discerning, seeking God's presence. It's also the way that we work our way through the week in bringing our gifts and asking that God would use us in our workplaces, that God would take our resources, all the resources, our time, our treasures and our talents, that we might present them back to Jesus. And this is an opportunity for us as a community over these 40 days to go through and develop that discipline, to re-establish that discipline of giving ourselves totally to Jesus each and every day. We're a benevolent community. The second part of the great commandment. Love your neighbour as yourself. This is a picture of a community whose hearts are so overflowing with a love for Jesus that we have a passion, a compassion for others that drives us. And I love that part about our family here at Dural. There's a, there's a compassion. A compassion is not just an empathy. Compassion is not just looking at someone saying, oh, I understand where you are. It's not empathising with their pain. Compassion is something that moves us within to not just see the pain, but to act, to relieve it. And so God has given us a compassion within us that drives us to make a difference in our local community or in our indigenous communities through our partnership with Wunan or over in the Solomon Islands or standing beside Peter and Joe Wong and the Onglets over in Malawi or to stand alongside uh, Horizons Family Law Services as they work with compassion to those who are experiencing hard times through separation and divorce. Or even as we individually and members of our church go into the prisons through our Kairos ministry, 
There's a compassion there that drives us to say we need to stand alongside people. And we want to be benevolent in that. I love the heart God has put within our church to make a difference. Time after time, our mission appeals are oversubscribed. And I say thank you for those who continue to give to those, to support those things. And not just our mission appeals, but other appeals that come up. Last year was a big year as Chris and the fellows from the men's shed made us aware of those other needs down on the south coast. We saw all about the bushfires. But as the needs came in, our church responded so positively. Now, wheelbarrows were provided. People just provided money just like that to send down wheelbarrows to help with the re-establishment of, of houses and things. There was a clothing drive and downstairs started to look like it was uh, St Vincent de Paul or the Red Cross or something. You know, people had brought in all their supplies to send down. Our men shed, pulling out kitchens and going down and taking them down to the south coast. Friends, I don't say that in a proud way, but I want us to rejoice in who God has made us to be. He's put within us a heart to be benevolent and to be compassionate for those around us. And God has more to do with us. I sat around a table with um, some of the men's shed leadership as uh, they were talking about the men's wellness centre. And there was a fellow from the men's shed who said something like this. I'm not a religious man. Not at all. My wife's probably a little bit more religious than I am. I'm not a religious man, but if I ever wanted to go to church, this is the church I go to. Because it's always doing something good for other people. The reality of the matter is that we're not just helping by being a benevolent church. We're not just helping those we minister to. We are actually showing the love of Jesus to those around about us. So we're a benevolent church. And then we move on to the Great Commission. We're a soul-winning community. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is a picture of a community who have been so transformed by what Jesus has done in their own lives, but they can't help but share the good news of Jesus with others. It's a picture of, of what God wants to do as he mobilizes us to go out and declare his praises. We recognize as a soul-winning church that people without Jesus face a Christless eternity. doesn't sound like a very PC thing to say in this world, but that's the reality of what Scripture tells us. People without Jesus face a Christless eternity. And friends, that's what should be motivating us all the time to go and take the good news of Jesus to those that need it. We have a life mission. Paul wrote about that. He says, the most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell the good news about God's grace. And how the people of our community need the good news of Jesus Christ. The McCrindle report I referred to earlier was undertaken in November, right in the midst of, of COVID, and it showed that Australians were desperate for purpose and meaning. Almost one in two Australians thought about mortality more during the pandemic, and a similar number contemplated the meaning of life. And we know that tragically there have been some Australians that have continued to take their life during that period of time. Friends, you might even be sitting here today and you're not sure about your eternal destiny. You might be on the stream at home. We are a church that wants to stand with you in that. I don't want anyone to leave here today unless you know for a, a, 
for, for sure. Unless you have the assurance that you know where you're going to be spending your eternal destiny. And it's because of our focus on soul winning as a church that we operate our Friday night Chicago. And our team sitting just over here, most of them over there as well, uh, do a fantastic job with the youth on a Friday night. That's why we run our playtime or our men's shed or our sports centre because we want to connect with our community in a way where we can build relationships and communicate the good news of Jesus Christ. The old days of churches just invite, running a Sunday service and hoping people to come would come are gone where Sunday schools were held and, and every family in Australia at one stage would send their kids along to Sunday school. That doesn't happen anymore. So we've got to keep on building new ways of reaching into our community because we want to be a soul-winning community. An interesting article in a Sydney paper some years ago proclaimed this. Soccer outscores Sunday school. So is it time for a new approach? It poses the question, what can the church do when 61.5% of the children participate in organised sport while just 2.7% are involved in any church-based program? It's a survey of children aged 5 to 14. 61.5% participate in organised sport while just 27 are involved in any church-based program. That's why we need to keep our focus out in the community. We're a fellowshipping community. Next part, the middle part of the Great Commission, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is a, a picture of a community where people from every background are accepted, loved and truly cared for. And where we journey with them from the time they walk in the door and they're welcomed right the way through to making decisions about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why our welcoming team is such an important part of what we do in this church. So, friends, if you want to be a part of that, as has um, been uh, said before, Morris and Claire will be downstairs in the cafe just wanting to encourage us in that journey of making sure we welcome people in and we know what it is to be a church who fellowships together. Our primary way of fellowshipping together is really not our Sunday mornings. We know that. It's too hard to get around and to speak to everyone. That's why we have our small groups, which are our foundational part of building our fellowship together. And it's so important for us to build those deep connections, those close connections in the life of our church. I love getting out back, as you know. I haven't done it for a while now. Borders have been closed. Wanted to get over to Western Australia this year, but that's probably not going to happen either. Um, but I love getting out back. Out in the middle of the desert, in the middle of winter, it's freezing cold. There's nothing better than a great big fire uh, around that. And to see the coals and the heat of the coals and just to sit around and experience that, to be sharing stories. And we know that it's very easy when it's time to go to bed at night. If you wanted to put out the fire, very easy way to do it. All you have to do is separate the coals. This fire, these coals that were raging hot and providing so much heat are very easily put out by separating the coals. And friends, that's a picture of what it's like when we separate ourselves from community, when we move away from those places of connection.
when, when we're not encouraging one another and we're not staying strong together. And then we're an equipping community and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This is a picture of a community going, growing strong in faith of people and people developing their gifts. A community where each is valued for who they are and where each has an opportunity to contribute because we all bring different gifts. And developing this, um, this maturity in our life doesn't just happen. We need to be equipped. The writer of the Hebrews said, let us go on and become mature in our understanding as strong Christians ought to be. God wants us to grow up. God wants us to mature. And we can do that in our Bible studies. We can do that in our small groups. But we can also do it as we discover our gifts and as we get equipped with different gifts. As you know, we're holding a, um, a chaplaincy course in about a month's time. And, uh, and already we know that nine fellows out of the men's shed are going to be a part of that, coming along to develop their skills so they can act as chaplains in our men's shed. We know we've got others out of other ministries, out of our sports ministries as well. This is an opportunity for us to be equipped. Friends, you might feel a little bit out of your depth, but as a church, we want to be a church that continues to equip and to help you find your gifts and to help you to develop them. God has shaped each of us for a unique ministry. Pastors aren't the ministers. I've said that before. Pastors aren't the ministers. The members of the church are the ministers. The pastors are the equippers. Ephesians 4 tells us that. Pastors are to equip and to prepare God's people for the works of ministry. I'm thankful for great pastors in this church over many years that have encouraged me. In my, um, in my gifts and to find my gifts. Remember way back in the early days there was a bloke called Ellis Simpson, another one called Eric Marks and they were two fellows that encouraged me and as I got a little bit older in life Keith was being a great encourager of me to find my gifts and to use them and to step out. I can remember um, first preaching in this church about 40 years ago. I was only five years old at the time and, um, and uh, that week... Uh, there was a, a letter that arrived in my mailbox and I might have to explain what a letter is. Um, you know, a pers personal letter, a little envelope with a postage stamp on it and I picked out this thing with beautiful copper plate writing on it and it was um, from Ellis Simpson, uh, Reverend Ellis Simpson. And he, and he wrote something like this. Brian, I appreciated the way, I appreciate the way God has gifted you. He has a call on your life. Could it be the pastorate? And I looked at that and I said, fat chance of that, no way, not likely. But I tucked that away and I kept on coming back to that. Someone that was wanting to encourage and that is what our role of equipping is also about. It's, in, it's encouraging one another to step out into new ground and to use our gifts and to try things. We plan to hold our SHAPE course, which is our gift course, at the end of last term. And because of COVID, because of other church meetings, we put that on hold. We'll come back to then again at the end of uh, this term or at the start of term two. That'll be an opportunity for us all to find out how we're gifted, what our SHAPE is, what our spiritual gifts are, our heart, our abilities, our personality, our experience. How has that shaped us for both a ministry uh, in the church and a mission in the world. 
Well, we've run out of time. The bips told me that. It's just going to open up and swallow me up this floor in a minute. But there we go. Five purposes. Five purposes for the church. We're a, a worshipping community, a benevolent community, a soul-winning community, a fellowshipping community and a quipping community. Friends, I'd encourage you to rejoice in who God has made us to be, but more than that, in who God is making us to be together and to commit yourself, whether you're here today or whether you're on the live stream, to keep pushing into our community life together. Next week, Keith's going to be preaching and we're going to kick off our series with the overarching, um, the overarching subject of love. It's one thing to look at running through all of our five purposes, but recognising one of the overarching things is all about the way we love each other and care for one another. And that'll be the first study in our uh, small groups as well. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do want to praise you and thank you for your amazing love for us. And we thank you that you've called us to live life together in community. And Father, we know that community life has its ups and downs, has its highs and lows like any family situation. But Father, we thank you for your, your consistency, your faithfulness uh, right throughout that. We thank you for the way you keep drawing us out to focus on you, to be a church who truly wants to worship, a church who truly wants to show your compassion as we engage in our benevolent ministries. Father, a church with a passion to see others come to know you. So we want to be a soul-winning community, Lord. We want to be a place who fellowships well together where people feel welcomed, loved, nurtured, and we, we and encourage one another. And Father, we want to equip one another for the works of service that your body may be built up, that your body may grow. So Lord, we can't do that on our own. We don't want to do that on our own. These aren't cleverly devised little uh, schemes, Father. This is your work. And so, Father, we continue to pray that you, by your Spirit, will be empowering us. Have your hand over this church and lead us in your path ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.